Thanks for tuning in to the Sanctuary Church Podcast. We're a church in the great city of San Francisco, and our heart is that everyone would experience true sanctuary in Jesus. We're currently in a series called Just Jesus, where we're walking through the Gospel of Mark so that in this time of deconstruction and disappointment, we can simply get our eyes on this person of Jesus. Just a quick note, our teaching often does include a decent amount of discussion and community response, and we do intentionally edit that out in order to preserve confidentiality and the Sunday experience. So you'll likely not hear the full content or context of the teaching, but still, our hope is that this will encourage you and equip you. And really, we're just so honored that you would listen in. Here it is. Awesome. It's so good to see you. Thank you so much for being here. Welcome to those of you who are new. Welcome, baby Oliver. (laughs) Um, We are going to continue on in our Just Jesus series, and we're going to open up Mark 9. Um, So if you have a Bible, feel free to open it to Mark chapter 9. We're going to be in verses 14 through 29. If you don't have one... um, there are some right there. Thank you, Tim. We appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so one thing we like to do here at church and specifically at Sanctuary is open the word and see for ourselves what it is God has to say about himself, about the world, about us. Um, so that's what we're going to do together. Um, Let's pray. I'd like to pray for us and pray that God would illuminate the text to us, and then I'll ask someone to read our text. Uh, Thank you, Father, so much for you, and thank you that you have given us a Bible, a scripture, words about yourself and about the ways we should live and um, the ways we should love and how to turn the ashes that we are into something that is new and full of life. So we pray that you would illuminate this text to us, help us to see it with fresh eyes if we've seen it before, and help us to have revelation if we've never even seen it at all. And we thank you for what you want to do today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, would anyone like to read Mark chapter 9, verses 14 through 29? a lot of detail about what just happened. Um, But before I go any further, we are going to break into some groups, and I'd like for us to answer two questions. What does this passage tell us about God? What does this passage tell us about people? So maybe find groups of three or four, and I'll give us five, eight minutes or so, and see if we can answer that. Then we'll come back together and share what we feel like we've seen. I often like to say, okay, let's just take our text exactly where we are and see what we see, but it is really helpful to see this in context of the greater story. Even this argument that they're having, we're going to see in a few passages ahead, the disciples are arguing about who's the greatest disciple. It's the same concept, the same word of argument. It's like, wait a second, you're arguing about like who's best here? No, who's the best? This guy who was just transfigured on a mountaintop who's God. And so in my research and like reading and preparing for this, this previous scene of Jesus being on the the mountaintop, this transfiguration is a really key point in the ministry of Jesus. And Mark is generally a chronological 
uh, timeline of Jesus's life and his ministry. And so this point of transfiguration separates his ministry from what we've seen up to this point and what's to come, where Jesus before is like, shh, don't tell anyone what I just did. Don't let anyone know who I really am. But he's just gone to the mountaintop. He's been transformed, transfigured, metamorphosized is the Greek word there, where he's been completely, like from the inside out, revealed of who he really is. And so I think previously it was, I'm Jesus doing work in my Father's name, and now it's, I'm Jesus, Lord of all on earth. And I think that's really important for us to walk into this scene here, because this is God incarnate, and this is the first time we've seen that in his work and in his ministry. And so, yeah, like Tim said, this juxtaposition is when he comes down and then there's this earthly argument happening and he's like, oh my gosh, you unbelieving generation. Why does he say that? It seems like kind of a harsh thing to say and sort of a rude thing to say in some ways, but it's the same concept as when the Israelites and Moses, Moses is the one getting things from God, bringing it down to the Israelites. Believe, here's what God says, believe. And at one point, Moses goes up to the mount, gets things from God, comes back down, and the Israelites are worshiping a golden calf that they had just built. <laughs> Moses is like, come on, guys. What are, you, what are you doing? And I think that's similar to what Mark was trying to say here, is that the disciples and maybe the scribes and these teachers of the law were trying to worship themselves, raise themselves up, say, we can heal. We can, we can help you dad with this son who's having terrible fits of convulsions. But Jesus is like, hold on a second. You unbelieving generation, you don't believe that what I say and who I am is enough to heal. And uh, Kelsey brought this up of saying, okay, previously the disciples have actually healed. And Jesus told them to go do that. Go heal the sick in my name. Cast out demons in my name. But I think this point is the disciples are still new. So I think there's grace for that. I think we in our own lives were tempted to do the things in our, in our own name, maybe not in Jesus's. But I think the point here, Jesus calls out faith and he also calls out prayer. And I think that's really a really important connection because I think prayer builds our faith in Jesus, our belief in Jesus. And I also think that belief in Jesus drives us to prayer. And that, those are the core elements that we often need to get through challenging parts of our lives, to get through, oh my gosh, this, this crazy scene of, of heartache and pain. We need that. We need prayer and we need faith. So um, I'm curious. Uh, Jesus says, uh, you know, what are you doing? And he comes down from the mountain and the people run to him in wonder and awe. They're awestruck even after this failed attempt has happened for healing. But when's the last time anyone's been like, like ran to something because they were in so much wonder or awe of something? Have you ever done that? I feel like I can't remember that. Maybe when I was young, I've done such a thing. Maybe you guys do that more. Okay. Well, I mean, the last time I feel like I saw it was my husband went on a trip uh, for 10 days and my two-year-old daughter, uh, when he got back, was like, dad, just like in wonder and rushes to him. And now every time he comes home since then, it's the same thing. He walks in the door, dad, 
head and goes run, like, you know, feet pattering on the floor, running as fast as she could, because she's so in wonder of him. He's real. He wasn't real for 10 days. He was like on a screen, and now he's real. And so I feel like these people, not just the, uh, the unbelievers, the people who, the crowd who was there, but also the disciples, I would assume, are like running like, oh yeah, we, find, we need you. We need you. We're so glad you're here. You're real. Um, which is which is really good. I, I and I, I want to call that out because that racing to Jesus, that that running with wonder to Him, is a good thing to do. And that is kind of like what prayer is. Sometimes we're not like physically running, but in prayer, it's that opportunity to turn to wonder again, to look up to Jesus, and our our spirits and our hearts can just race towards Him. Um, so. This question of, he says, uh, oh, you unbelieving generation, uh, in my research and reading again is that there's a question, who, who is he actually saying that to? And I think it's, it's important but not important because I think it applies to everyone who was there because I think that there's an element of unbelief in all of us and even when the Father says, I believe but help my unbelief, I, I guess if you just think of, of that father's experience, that dad's experience of his son going through these horrible fits, seeing his son being thrown into the fire or thrown into water, this, this spirit that was actually trying to kill his son, how agonizing that would be for that dad. And yet he's there. He sought out Jesus, he sought out his disciples. He literally had his, the disciples before him was like, okay, you guys can help me in Jesus' name. And they couldn't. He could have been totally like, all right, I'm out. You guys can't help. I'm going to go on my own strength, find someone else. But instead he says, I believe. He sticks around, I believe, but help my unbelief. And I don't know if this was, you know, this much belief and then this much unbelief, or if it was this much unbelief and just this much belief. But either way, there's a mustard seed there. Sometimes maybe it's a little more. But either way, he has something. And Jesus' response in that is, anything is possible for those who believe, even if it's that much. And that is such an encouragement. I think it's so encouraging. Um, so I also, I also think it's helpful to think about the scene like in reality. I don't know, I feel like it's like the B team. The disciples were the B team. <laughs> like, you know, if, if you were going to a concert and you're getting excited or you're going to a, a basketball game, you're going to the Warriors game, and you're pumped up to see, you know, the people who are, you know, the starters, and you get there, and all those starters are stuck in traffic, they couldn't make it, and so they sent out the people on the bench. Who even sits on the bench for the Warriors? I mean, I literally don't know because I don't watch basketball. But um, the point here is you might be kind of disappointed. You might be a little bit disappointed that the, the B team is, is playing and you might have a little doubt like, I don't know if, if we can win this game because it's the B team. I don't know if we can do this. Um, and, and I feel like that's the case here. And I, I actually think that is somewhat true because in Jesus's ministry throughout his life on earth, he does have these 12 disciples that he is teaching, and he, they're called disciples because he's discipling them. He's, he's teaching them, showing them the way, and letting them experience what it's like to live 
in the kingdom of God on earth. And they get to watch and learn. And he says, he, he teaches them at the end of this, this kind can only come out by prayer. And um, I think with that, it's, it's good to know that as we go forward into Mark, it'll be helpful to see this discipleship happen and maybe things for us to, to know and to learn about a life with God and what it looks like to live alongside of him because that's kind of the transition that we're going to move into. So um, let's talk a little bit about prayer because this concept of prayer, we've, we've done a whole sermon series on. Tim, you did a fantastic job. I was thinking back and listening back to things that you said on what is prayer, but has anyone ever prayed and something happened? Yeah? Has anyone ever prayed and something didn't happen? Yeah, I think we've all been in that situation. How long did it take if you prayed and it didn't happen? Or maybe it still hasn't happened. Anyone been in that, that situation? Yeah, me too. Um, I prayed a long time ago when I first started my job out of college that I would become a morning person. <laughs> I was not a morning person. And I literally remember like one of my first weeks, my boss sitting me down at like, I had gotten there right at eight o'clock, just, just barely made it, sits me down. What time do you get up in the morning? She says, <laughs> seven. And she goes on about, you need to get up early. Do you think about work on Sunday night? Like, you got to be a morning person. Are you a morning person? I'm like, no, Lord, help me be a morning person. So I'm praying, please help me be a morning person. Fast forward years later, I have a toddler. I don't have a choice but to be a morning person, okay? So I definitely stopped praying that prayer at some point in the, the past 15 years. But um, yeah, thank you, Lord. Praise God for making me a morning person, for answering my prayer, a prayer that I didn't even expect to be answered or maybe sometimes don't even want to be answered. But my sweet daughter, 6.45, if I'm not awake, maybe 5 o'clock sometimes, um, especially with the time change. But prayer is is not simply a monologue. Your prayers don't just go into the abyss. It doesn't just go into the universe and maybe it'll bounce back somehow and something good will happen to you. We know that from what we've learned through our sermon series on, on prayer. Um, even, even if it's, it's prayer that is pre-written and our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I don't even know what to pray, but here's this prayer that you've shown me that I can pray. That's not passive. That is actually doing something. And I think Jesus alludes to that in this particular instance where your prayer is important. It's not just about the formula of driving out a demon. It's not just the right words to say when you want someone to be healed and saying the right thing. Um, he does actually have an opportunity there. And what I think a big opportunity in this instance is he gets to have direct conversation with you. you he goes you get to go directly to Jesus. You get to see Jesus and experience Jesus in whatever situation, whatever stage of life you're in, wherever you are, you get to be right there with him. And I think that's exactly what's happening here. Previously, I don't know what Jesus would have said or done. We can see a few healings that he's done before, and they're similar. He, he casts out a demon. He never says what he says here to the demon, don't ever come back. He casts him out and says, you can't return. And he also is specific, like I said, saying, Shh, don't tell anyone that this happened. But now that he has been transfigured into Lord, God, walking the earth, I think that that is a 
very symbolic and very apparent that he wants people to come directly to him. And the way we come directly to him is through prayer. And even though he's on the earth right now, at some point he won't be. We're not going to be able to see him. We don't see him in flesh and blood today. Sometimes we might encounter, like he says, angels, someone who you care for and care, you know, take in. That's an angel and that's someone, someone like me and that's like serving me. But in this instance, I think he's teaching the disciples and teaching us it's important to come directly to him. So um, this interconnectedness of, of being directly in conversation and directly in relationship with God is important for our belief as well. And having faith, like I said, even if it's a little bit, that action of prayer is enough to grow that. I think that a continued life of prayer is something that grows us. Um, and I think Nikki Gumbel, who is a priest in the UK, and he's the leader of the Alpha program for anyone who's participated in that, he says about prayer, every Christian knows through experience that God answers prayer. When I started out, I began to pray for little things in my own life, and coincidences started to happen. Then, the more I prayed, the more coincidences I saw. I made a connection, and I risked praying for bigger things. Of course, it's not possible to prove Christianity on the basis of answers to our own prayers, because they can always be explained away by cynics. But the cumulative effect of answered prayer reinforces our faith in God. The cumulative effect of answered prayers reinforces our faith in God. And that connection is really important. Constant prayer. If you, if you want to have, if you want to actually help my unbelief, pray. If you're not sure if that friend who you've been praying for who's sick or has a chronic illness, keep praying. And you will begin to see your faith grow, and you'll begin to see that your belief can grow. Um, I don't know, uh, going back to, I don't know how much belief was in this dad, and it might have been just a little bit. It might have been a lot, but I think after years of seeing his son experience this pain and suffering, I feel like this dad probably had a lot of sleepless nights and probably had a lot of really low moments of wondering, will my son even survive? Will I survive if my son, you know, is thrown into the fire and doesn't make it? How can I go on? And his persistence is important as well. Um, but the opportunity that he has to actually encounter Jesus, to bypass the disciples' failures, is significant, and I want to encourage us to do that today. Um, and we'll spend some time here in a minute just putting before us whatever it is, maybe some painful things that you've gone through, maybe it's something that you prayed for for a long time that hasn't happened, and ask Jesus to show up and see if he, what, what does it look like for him to be in that situation? What does it look like for you to stand there and Jesus to come to you off the mountain, fully God, fully man, and saying, I love you. I am a compassionate father. 
and I care about this. How long has this been going on? What happens when you experience this demon or this pain or this suffering? Anything is possible for those who believe. Believe. Let me show you what it looks like to believe. And I'm excited. I just want us to get to do that. You can do that on your own. You can do that anywhere, anytime, but I'd, I'd like for us to have an opportunity to do that today. Um, but Jesus is on a mission, and this is, this is his mission. His mission is to save the world, but it, it's also his mission to, to save us and restore us and renew us and give us life and life abundant, not live with these demons or live with this pain and suffering on a daily basis. He wants to pour the water of life into us, and he wants to do that through his encounter with you. So I don't know if anyone is, is willing um, but I'd like to spend just a little bit of time experiencing God. Whatever camp you're in, whatever ratio of belief to unbelief that you're in, doesn't matter. You can be like the dad in this story saying, I believe, I think, help my unbelief, wherever that is. Maybe you don't even know that you don't believe that it's something can happen or that the situation can be restored and redeemed. Or maybe you have lots of faith. Maybe you're coming down from the mountaintop yourself and you're like, yes, God can do anything. But there's something sort of lurking that you're not sure. Maybe it's something from your past. Maybe it's something that you hope for that really hasn't happened. You want to be a morning person, you're really not yet. Um, whatever that looks like. And I, I think Jesus can show up. So if, if you're willing... I would love for us to just spend a few minutes in some silence and let God remind you, maybe you already know, but let him remind you of a situation that you've been longing for for a long time. Could be something that's caused pain or suffering. Could be someone else that you've been praying for for a while. And I want to see what Jesus has to say about that and where he is in that situation what kind of mountaintop he's coming down on to encounter you or to encounter that person today, right now, to help grow your unbelief. So I'll pray for us, I'll guide us, and let's just take some time here to see where Jesus wants to show up. Jesus, thank you for coming down from the mountaintop as Lord of all. And thank you for coming with great compassion and also great wisdom to recognize that we are people who both have belief and unbelief in us. And that as short or as long as our lives have been, walking with or without you, that you can show up in every situation with that same grace and gentleness and compassion, but also the power to change and maybe even to move that needle from unbelief to belief in our, in our hearts. And so I pray right now for each of us that you would show us what that situation is 
in our own lives where we believe, but we need you to help our unbelief. We've experienced pain for a long time, and we need to see where you are in the midst of that. We've watched others suffer for a long time, and we need to know where you are in the midst of that. And so we thank you, God, for showing up And I ask you right now, Jesus, to show up in each of our lives, in our minds, in our hearts, in a picture or in word or in song or just in feeling the tangible experience of your presence in the midst of this. Thank you, God. Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Sanctuary Church Podcast. If we can be of any help to you, please don't hesitate to contact us at hello at sanctuarysf.com. We would love to connect. And wherever this finds you, may you experience the grace and peace of God our Father.